Hello and welcome back to the third part of Atomic Habits. Um, if you haven't caught up on the last two, go back and watch those and then you can listen to this. Although, to be fair, you know, you could probably learn a bit by just watching this one. Um, but we are yeah, starting so with law number four. That this is, is the last true. one. So if, you know, if, if that bothers you, then I would go back and listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So last, the first episode, we covered the fundamentals um, how to create a habit, um, and the first law, which was make and uh, make it obvious. Um, and then the last episode we covered what was it? So second law, which is make it attractive. Um, and the third law, which was make it easy. So today we will be covering the fourth law, which is Jess, make it satisfying, make it satisfying. And then we're just going to go into some advanced tactics and then finally uh, talk about all the actual ideas that you can implement. Um, so should we just get straight, straight into it? Yeah. Do you want to take it away? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so the cardinal rule of behavior change, it is far easier to adopt a habit that is pleasurable um, that has pleasurable sensory feedback. So pleasure teaches your brain that a behavior is worth remembering and repeating repeating being key um whereas an experience that is not satisfying makes us unlikely to repeat it what is rewarded or enjoyable is repeated what is punished or painful is avoided um and this is pretty key isn't it for any yeah. kind of like whether it's behaviorism the idea of teaching a dog anything like you know it's you want to be able to um repeat or make it easier to repeat by giving yourself pleasure or reward yeah or, Make um, it motivating to repeat it by you know, seeking the pleasure from it. Um, you've got here the positive emotions cultivate habits and negative emotions destroy them. Um, yeah. And we were talking of, and I think one of the key points, sorry, here was about the immediateness of the reward because yeah. we, we were just talking before this about how, you know, you the, the drinking alcohol, right, causes many negative effects in the long yeah. run, but the immediate effects are pleasurable. Therefore, people redo it and that's not really a problem if that makes sense whereas yeah you know if you had an issue straight away with from drinking you're less likely to repeat it all right if you taste something that tastes disgusting immediately you're less likely to eat the next slice but if you taste yeah. something that tastes really good immediately but later on the, the effects are delayed you're still going to keep eating it until eventually you know it catches up with you yeah and it's it's interesting now because i remember i can't remember what book i was reading it in but it was talking about how dogs are trained and it was saying that as soon as you try and teach a dog a trick or something you have to give the reward straight away or have like a clicker that they associate with the reward so you click it yes. and then give them the reward otherwise there's too much time that passes so if you left it a minute after they did the desired behavior that you wanted then and then you gave them a reward they might associate that with something completely different with what they're doing rather mm -hmm. than the the first action um and i guess we're kind of the same like obviously we can consciously try and link the two but it's probably much easier if you know we do a, we act in a certain way and then we get a reward straight away yeah, um, yeah. we feel pleasure immediately well we've got the note or well, you've got the note down here about this our brains evolved for an immediate return environment food or brackets food sex shelter uh, which are primary cues where we whereas we li live in a delayed returns environment such as money status etc 
And I think that's a lot to do with a level of like abstraction. And obviously, you know, with the prefrontal cortex, how we now understand like time and obviously delayed rewards. We yeah. can, our brains now can understand that sometimes things don't happen immediately. Sometimes things take time to progress. Um, but the core of our brain, right, is built off, you know, instant. Like, this happens, this happens, this happens. Yeah. This happens, this feels good. This happens, this feels bad. And obviously it would make sense, like, in that environment that, you know, this, you do this, it feels good, right? Why don't you repeat that, right? Yeah. Our brain is calibrated to, you know, fruit. I, I think what was the theory about fruits and stuff and sugar in general? It was like, because it was so rare in the environment, or did this is the working theory, that the reason why we're like addicted to like sweetness of it is because it was so rare and it's also very energy efficient, isn't it? Or something like yeah. that. Or anyway, it, yeah. it gives energy the quickest and therefore it, you know, it makes you want to repeat and eat it again um, as quick as possible. And that's why it's so pleasurable. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I love these kind of paradoxes. These like, you know, we evolved for this kind of environment, but today's environment is almost the opposite. Um, mm-hmm. And the same thing is like you value the present more than the future, even though you live in an environment that kind of rewards valuing the future as in like, you know, sacrificing things for the now for the future. It's very Jordan Peter-esque, isn't it? <laughs> like, but, but also it's a very human-esque. It um, is. Yeah. yeah. Um, which call it a very human-esque behavior, isn't it? It's yeah. not very, yeah i would struggle to find examples but i'm sure there is plenty if i you know i'm just not in that sort of space Mm. knowledge space but the you know the the general consensus animals don't have that ability to stop and pause and you know basically stop their behavior from you know chasing just the pleasure buttons or something you know it's yeah no exactly yeah um, they don't have the ability to foresee if i don't go for this now i can save for later um yeah yeah so so yeah if our brains are geared towards instant gratification then we need to apply this to habits habits that are instantly rewarded like you were saying are more likely to be repeated um and he set up here just a quote it's like make it obvious make it attractive and make it easy which are the first three laws increase the odds that a behavior will be performed this time the fourth law of behavior change make it satisfying so this one that we're talking about at the moment increase the odds that behavior will be repeated next time it completes the habit loop i think that's quite interesting and just it makes you see it as like a kind of cycle this like four-step process yeah. Um, well, I guess it provides the future motivation to repeat the action again, right? Uh, yeah. I'm just trying to find a, an example in my head, I guess. It's like, let's just say you, you're doing something for the very first time, you never experienced it before, like a sporting activity, and you do it and you had an amazing time. That then will motivate you to do it again, right? Like, yeah. you, you know. Absolutely. The, I think it's the same premise, but just on a smaller scale, right? It's 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 so it's so human that it's almost hard to talk about it not being obvious, yeah, okay, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean. As course, it, like, yeah. it's like because like, you, you enjoyed like it, you're doing you're it, again. Do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of weird to try and pretend like the audience doesn't but, know it when. Yeah, and no, I guess maybe the point um, being here that it's quite hard sometimes to make. I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, you, you I know you like your vegetables, but I, I find vegetables really bland, and I, yeah. maybe that's my cooking ability. It probably <laughs> is in the way I prepare it. But for example, it's not like a massively pleasurable experience. I yeah, wouldn't yeah. be like, I cannot wait to you know munch on some spinach again. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I guess some people do, and I, there's a way I guess of making it satisfying or making it at yeah. least. I guess there's there's plenty of ways you can do it, right? You can almost like reframe it in your mind that all the positives you're going to benefit from this. Like if you have like an ideal self and like the ideal self has to eat the spinach, you're like yeah, yeah, munching, yeah. like oh, I can already see myself on that beach, you know, looking lean or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, yeah i just think it's interesting because the whole point here is you we're trying or with these habit with this habit stuff you're trying to find a way to make something that you might have found previously unsatisfying more yeah. satisfying right exactly because obviously everybody gets that you know it's like it's fun they gotta want to repeat it the yeah. point is half the stuff that you're struggling to do obviously isn't fun enough for you to repeat it and therefore you need to find a way to make it satisfying yeah or fun or however you want to phrase it or pleasurable Precisely. i guess it's, that yeah. it's in your conscious control I yeah mean, yeah we're, we're all very much aware that you know we do stuff that we like but the fact is that we can make things that we don't like more likable in a sense and i think one of the other problems is the the things that are bad for you end up being more pleasurable than the things that are good for you so yeah. you know uh, eating a, a bag of chocolate is a lot more pleasurable at least for me than eating vegetables and i'm sure it's yeah. the same for most people and it's therefore trying to tip the scale in your favor to get you to repeat the the behavior that you don't see as pleasurable in comparison um, yeah no exactly and this is another one of those kind of like paradoxes and he's got a couple of points here that like for instance with bad habits the immediate outcome is rewarding and feels good while the ultimate outcome slash consequences are delayed whereas for good habits it is the reverse the immediate outcome is unenjoyable right eating those vegetables that you don't like while the ultimate outcome and reward are delayed so you know they're healthy for you they help your organs and your body and everything like that so the costs of your good habits are in the present while the costs of your bad habits are in the future and it's one of those like that's a good that's a good reframing to you fair i like that yeah it's it's just it's weird to get your head around but actually it's so true it's like um even with the gym if you think about it like the immediate like if you're working out the immediate is painful especially if you're pushing through like a you know like uh you're trying to progress and you're you're pushing the boundaries yeah but then actually the afterwards you get the endorphin rush don't you so it's almost like the opposite where like sugar you get it immediately up front the pleasure but then you get the you know the sugar crash like 10 minutes later or whatever so it's it's, yeah. yeah no exactly and i think you know we're talking about starting a habit in this sense but i guess as you do this habit more, you can find it more enjoyable or it's something that you just don't find you you don't dislike anymore. So, yeah. you know, those vegetables just become second nature, you know, it, it, like it's fine. It doesn't make a difference. So I guess they don't become those bad habits or the ones that are like, you know, have a delayed um, gratification. You start to enjoy the process more. Right? I think so. Like, I think, yeah, I think you can learn, to find pleasure in the things like that that are less pleasurable so to speak if you see how they fit into the grander goal and Mm. you also see the progress towards the grander goal like i'm convinced if you know you were let's just say you're really overweight and you start eating a lot of vegetables and you started visibly seeing difference in your body within a couple of weeks in my head then eating vegetables would then somehow become associated with pleasure because you would have seen the progress and realized okay it's my efforts from doing this yeah. therefore every time you eat a vegetable you might be like oh wow like this is it's almost like i am eating progress yeah that yeah makes sense. <laughs> yeah uh-huh. um, <laughs> i just like that yeah that's funny but i um, think it, it comes from a level of like making sure you associate that if the behavior is unpleasurable, the the reason why it, it's going to benefit you kind of thing, you know, you, yeah. you sell yourself on it and then it becomes a stepping stone and a block. And it's, you know, it's part of your, you know, it, it powers your progression. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that's pretty much what one of his actionable steps here. Like, you know, you need to be able to add a little bit of immediate pleasure to the habits with delayed rewards yeah. and a little bit of pain to those that don't. So yeah. You know, just so you're kind of conditioning yourself into liking the habits that you want and, you know, disliking the habits that you don't want anymore. 
Um, yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of some like actionable ideas that you know you could do off the bat. I guess you could do stuff like if you have vegetables, maybe a way of getting yourself to start having immediate pleasure. Like you, I think we might have said this before in the podcast. <laughs> I don't know if you mentioned it before, but um, you know, you're saying you start off with the immediate pleasure, and then yeah. you um, you over time you reduce the um, the amount of immediate pleasure you need. I was going to say you put something like sweet, or like a sauce on it that's not so healthy, but at least it gives you that sort of like. Bang for your buck in, in the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you chuckling yeah. about? Are you thinking I'm just thinking like, you're like eating a vegetable and then straight away like a bite out of chewing on some meat or something. <laughs> yeah, or like a chocolate button or something. Yeah. It's just like, I can't imagine that would go oh, very well. Um, yeah, no. Um, but yes, no, exactly. Uh, but like you can start off like that. That's kind of one of the points, I think, is to to try and, you know, pair it up with something that gives you pleasure at the same time, just so you can, you want to repeat it. And then once you've repeated it enough, you will probably have seen the progress from doing it, yeah. as well as you built up an identity that relates to the activity. Like, you know, I'm now a veg, I'm now a veg eater. Like beforehand I wasn't, but now every meal I have veg, I eat veg. I'm yeah. not vegetarian, but you know, it's... And your identity kind of reinforces it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you get pleasure just from doing it because it's like who you are kind of thing. Like, absolutely. And you, and you also get pr- a pleasure in my head from um overcoming like it, it shows to yourself that you can actually overcome things that you thought you yeah. couldn't because most people probably come like start with this sort of habit-based stuff thinking oh i've never been able to do that in my life i can't do it do you kind of get what i mean you only ever come to this stage i think when you've realized something has to change and Absolutely. therefore by doing this you're showing that you're you know you're changing and therefore it's rewarding to do the process because you've it's like a further proof that you have developed and that you've well, overcome that kind of yourself links- yeah, no, it kind of links to his next point. So he, he's literally saying that pleasure, okay, yeah, can be like sensory pleasure, but pleasure can also be the feeling of success. So like you just mm-hmm. said, like overcoming something. So find a way of making yourself feel successful as the ending of an experience tends to be remembered more than the other phases, right? So yeah. it's like if you feel an element of success, and that's another way that you can implement this like feeling of pleasure is to be like okay tick i've done that you know i succeed at that i overcame it i did it um so yeah so point here so you need to find a way of feeling successful after completing a habit so the delayed rewards can accumulate in the background um and that's quite interesting it's like you know once again like we're talking about you know the the rewards are delayed so we need to have something that keeps us doing it all the time until we kind of fall in love with the system and fall in love with doing the habit. And in the back, in the background, those kind of rewards are accumulating. Um, And then it's almost like once we come out of that illusion, we realize that that hard work can be paired with that reward, you know? Yes. Um, Yeah. yeah, Interesting. Well, Well, I think a lot of that, what you're saying there about sort of about measuring the habit and sort of, I, it kind of links into the success as well because you've obviously if you're if you're trying to create a chain of habits if you see yourself again and again doing the habit and you're measuring it and you're seeing it in front of you i'm yeah. going to bring up like have we spoken about the habit tracker yet or like a habit like the seinfeld card because Sein, i think it was seinfeld the comedian who who he okay. referenced in this book as the example where he had a calendar and every day he made a joke or whatever he crossed it off the whole point is you can then see the progress you're making visually yeah a bit like i think i think we're about to get on to the next point which yeah. is also making the stuff you want to avoid visual as well yeah but just seeing that visual progress like that's how the measurement in my head comes into 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 fruition half the time like you just being able to see like oh you know i went to the gym five times this week that's yeah. that's you know you can see it and you can feel proud that you've done it um and there's many other things i guess you can you know link to that like you can do 
everything can technically be crossed off in like a sort of you know a chain yeah a measurement chain like if you want to read more books it's just read you know read for 15 minutes a day that i've done it today and you just you carry on the chain don't you yeah Um, exactly and that's how this you get the pleasure from it is is you know i can visually see i've done you know this every day and you feel pleasure when you tick it off a bit like when you tick a to do yeah Um, like we spoke many times before about you know just getting stuff done first thing because you give you start giving yourself that sort of success success positive mindset and it just carries through with the net like everything you do yeah or at least at least that's how it works for me or i feel yeah no absolutely now i'm the same and i think yeah being able to see that progress because we're driven by that and naturally we just happen to be able to externalize stuff whether that's through using language and stuff like that but we're able to actually track our progress and i remember isn't it like rory sutherland who showed um the traffic lights and how there was like uh there was a thing in i can't remember if it was china or korea where okay. when it was like a red light it was showing a timer around the red light okay. um and so that and it made people feel much more at ease because they knew when there was going to be a green light okay um and the same thing is like okay that's not about like personal progress but the fact is that okay. we love anything that we can kind of track and see when yes yeah gonna happen. um he made a joke he was like imagine if you did that with the green you know yeah. like, you know when it's about to turn red so everyone's like speeding through but yeah, yeah. Um, it could potentially cause some serious damage <laughs> yeah um yeah um it, but it i think true yeah measuring sometimes and going, off the back of what, going off the back of what you were saying just before this this point about like you said making it visible making the progress visible yeah and so with things we want to avoid habits we want to avoid we need to try and make them visible so but but this is is the point though isn't it it's not visible as in like the cue visible it's the visible progression of avoiding doing the habit yeah absolutely um so for instance if you're if you don't want to drink alcohol for a month then the equivalent would be like okay well normally i spend this amount of money you know um on a saturday i'd i'd buy this many pints so then you put the money that you would have spent on those pints like in your in in a you know a piggy bank yeah (laughs) the alcohol the alcohol saved piggy bank or something exactly exactly and then you made the the benefits of the negative habit like like giving up the negative habit visible yeah Yeah. i like that a lot actually yeah but i thought about it that like you know your alternative that you use it for must be in line with the person you want to be right because like i found like the other day i'm not trying to drink that much at the moment and i went to the pub with um with my mate and then instead of buying a pint i bought a pint of coke and i don't want to be drinking that much coke either yeah, so it was yeah. like almost like i fell on like a substitute no, but actually but like, at the same know. time I, fine i also i was i've done that before where it's like fine if i'm not gonna get a beer i'm gonna get something sugary because i want to enjoy it yeah i mean i guess you can do that from time to time right but it's yeah, i guess yeah. what you're saying is the substitute isn't exactly like a positive one in the long run if every time you drink you're just gonna drink coke instead yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah. Hmm. I just I, think it yeah. also has to be in line with why, like I'm not drinking because I want to be healthier. Right. So then okay. my substitute needs to be something that is in line with that kind of goal. Right? Apple juice. <laughs> Apple juice. Um, I, I mean, even that's not really that healthy. It depends where you get it from, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. of course. But uh, just water, I guess at this point, isn't it? But then it's fun just life. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Sometimes you've got to make sacrifices, I guess, but exactly for those future gains yeah um yeah but like we were saying earlier on you know once you start to implement these things you implement these immediate wards or these immediate punishments 
over time you start to fall in love with the process and then because that is backing up your identity and then it becomes part of your identity your identity in itself becomes a reinforcer but, yeah so that once you take away those immediate punishments or immediate rewards you're still strong enough to to maintain it right yeah um it's acted as like a foundation and then now it's gone um, yeah which i thought was quite an interesting interesting point actually um because you've got to fill in the gap between that delayed reward um yeah yeah because you've got this note here as well which is like you immediately when you first start off is all about you know trying to satisfy yourself as you know quickly after the habit is done as possible but yeah. then obviously with time you, I guess you can almost use it as like a way you try and start spacing it out, right? Yeah. It's almost like, like you're going to wean your way off the gratification. You're going to exactly. make sure it's just just your identity that's driving you now. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's interesting. And that's why I kind of saw it as like, it's, it's yeah, like you said, weaning off is actually like a really good way to say it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I m- made a note here, like slowly start to introduce delayed gratification um you know if you can make that immediate reward a bit a bit longer you know a bit more delayed so it almost catches up with the actual reward although that would be very far away but yeah um, it depends what the activity is right like, yes yeah um so it kind of builds that resilience like progressive overload in the gym you know you're slowly increasing that weight or slowly increasing that time or whatever you know yeah. you're improving at. but um yeah uh yes so should we move on to the next bit so we've got this how to stick with good habits every day so making progress is satisfying and oh fact this is what we were talking about a minute ago and visual measures like moving paper clips or hairpins or marbles provide clear evidence for your progress by tracking a behavior we can spark the urge to change it measurement makes our blindness to our own behavior and progress visible habit tracking can be used to make a habit more immediately rewarding by making our progress visible feeding our desire for progress and giving us visual proof that we are casting votes for our ideal identity um i always thought about this a lot like how video games kind of um you know work where it's almost everything you do in a video game progresses you forward does that make sense like you know if you i i guess the best video games i'm trying to find one that we've mutually played that i assassin's creed the old ones aren't quite the same but you know any game where you sort of anything you do levels your character up a little bit whether it's a skill tree or something else so that makes every single action meaningful and you get addicted to that progress that's what essentially in my head what video games do is they give you constant hits of like setting mini goals achieving them progressing like everything you do is meaningful yeah and it and and obviously everything you do is is tracked and often numerized in games like you have this many xp points to get to the next level and that's yeah. kind of how you've got to structure your life with these habits it's like you've got this many level like this many habits to do to hit your next level mm-hmm. um but just visibly seeing that you know if you looked at a calendar let's just say of your month and you could see every single day you stuck to eating whatever you said you're going to do and this many days not drinking yeah you're not going to want to break that progress are you see it and you're going to be like no oh my exactly God, like, i've got like 20 days in a row of not drinking i've got 20 days in a row of doing this or yeah um it's interesting i wonder i wonder if that's why people love like the sims so much you know because think about it's like every action you do in that you're somewhat building on some kind of skill right normally when we habit track it's parts of our behavior not all of our behavior that we're we're measuring but in games it's like every single action is pretty much uh, yeah i think it is that every single action yeah yes 
And I think the big thing about the video games, though, is they are built so the feedback is immediate. So if you yeah. do something bad, you you know your heart bar goes or like your life bar goes down <laughs> yeah. immediately. Yeah. Whereas if you really think about the realities of that, let's just say you did have like a health bar, you know everything you do. First of all, you can't measure it like accurately. Like obviously in a video no, game, you have like a hundred, yeah. it goes down to like seventy, you know, and it's all it's all really trackable and easy to understand. Yeah. But that's literally how we do live, right? We have like a health bar, and you know, if you eat something bad for you, you're going to diminish that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But the problem is, you can't quantify it; you can't see it, so it's not the same. But if you could, I'm sure people would actually take massively different decisions. Like Absolutely. I've already, I've always thought like a sort of gaming user interface for your individual life, where like you know, if you had like those Google lenses, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like like literally, you had a every day you started with like an energy bar and like a health bar. And then you gave random assignments to specific things. So like you give yourself like veg at plus 10 to energy, you give you know, sugar uh, plus 20, but then afterwards yeah, yeah. it decreases by like 50 or something. Yeah, I, yeah. Find, I reckon you'd influence a lot of behavior. I, I think but so, you have absolutely. to, you'd have to program it very well. Cause obviously well, I guess science changes about what's good and what's bad. And there's way more complex than just energy health. Yeah, yeah. But I do think if you created something like that, you would get people in good habits very quickly because you'd be able to see the immediate effects of what you're doing. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, whatever you eat, it takes a while to digest. And I guess once again, with, you know, get it, get losing weight and putting on weight, it accumulates over time. Right. But yeah. if you had an immediate feedback of a score point based upon what you're eating, like an apple's 10, uh, you know, chips are minus five or whatever. And you had this whole thing, yeah. I reckon. I reckon people will change, like, because it gives you immediate feedback for the action you're taking, and yeah. not just immediate f- feedback based upon the pleasure of the activity, yeah. but on the the overarching goal, or like, you know, the long term effects. Sorry, it, it basically reminds you of the long term effects as you immediately see, fuck, I did have this much life, but now I have this much life from yeah. eating this. Yeah, um, and that's the power of it. And I'm sure if anybody's listening and they can play their mind through that, you could probably imagine how that would impact you because. That's effectively in my mind what video games do best. It's immediate response to things you do, which then feedbacks and allows you to then change your strategy and adapt. Whereas obviously everything we do in real life, it's it's so much longer. The like the stuff is so much longer to hit you. You yeah. know, you, you eat something tonight, it's not gonna bother you. Maybe unless you're like intolerant to the food and you might end up shitting yourself, but then you don't eat it again, right? Because yeah. it's a painful immediate effect. Yeah. Most things aren't pain, painful immediate effects, they're like way delayed. Um, yeah yeah and i think i think with like you know in real life habit tracking it's almost like you give yourself the it's the metric is based on you right like when you're in a game it's like yeah chips is minus five um or like an apple is five but actually it might be different for every individual in real world Mm. and so you get to dictate what your metric is as in like this might be much harder for this person compared to this person but it's kind of interesting because it's like only by observing your behavior and being consciously aware of how you act do you start to realize okay well this actually is harder this is easier for me um i'm gonna you know incentivize myself i only need to incentivize myself this much for this one whereas this one i need to give much more of an immediate award see what i mean as in like some will be harder than others um of course depending on your you know proclivity to certain things yeah 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 um yeah, yeah, we're not all the same, right? But I do think an overall standardized. I mean, if you think about Absolutely. a bunch of the stuff that we've had thrown down on us, like calories and stuff, that's just very standardized, abstract things which aren't don't really reveal too much, you know. No, like you know, the calorie abstract, content yeah. of a food doesn't really tell us yeah. much about the fact that you know the same calories of vegetables is a lot different to the same calories of you know I don't know deep fatty fried foods. 
yeah the calories the nutritional difference is is massive but the calorie content's the same so if we just simplify everything to that i don't know all i'm saying is you can give simple answers to people and i think you can influence behavior in a very positive way by giving immediate feedback for their actions right absolutely Um, like you can always create your own little scoreboard for that can you you could literally have your own scoreboard based upon the habits you want to do so you'd be like right i want to do these things so every time every day i start at zero and if i ate 100 i've had a i've had a sick day and then 100 apples you know yeah no, no yeah. 100 points yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, i mean yeah, 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 you could yeah, yeah. you even layer on different things you could have like a development level you could have like an energy level you could have like a health level yeah. like the development level would be like if i read if i read for 10 minutes i get 10 points yeah if i go on my phone and scroll on social media i lose five points yeah and then you have it i reckon that would work as a as a very baseline <clears throat> way of improving people's habits that would increase people's a lot and it all it yeah. just all it requires is you sitting down and like, what do i do, want to do what do i not want to do how could I create a score system and then how would I just track the score system? Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. And then you're making it more pleasurable. And in the process you're making like habit trackers make, um, make you focus on the process more, more than the actual product, which is really good because if you can fall in love with the process, then you know, you're, you're on your way to going to the gym. Then yeah, exactly. Um, and then it's not a never ending goal, is it? It's never no, like, you exactly. know, being being fit or whatever, or being in shape or being healthy is a never ending pursuit because it never ends yeah. and eventually you die. So, <laughs> so what's the point in of any of these? <laughs> yeah, but that's just like that's yeah. just a loser mindset, isn't it? No, just I know, the, I know. The um, of, you know. You only live once, so like let's just go exactly. out and just inject heroin and just like just drink everything that's ever existed. Yeah. It's because you can, because <laughs> you live once. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah, it's exactly. Just not, it's a non-starter. Um, um, yeah, so off the back of this, um, an actionable idea is to have a track, we must, one, automate measurements whenever possible, uh, to manually track the most important habits, and three, record each measurement straight after the habit occurs. Which um, I always forget to do that one, and I think that's one of the most important ones because if you think yeah. about it, that's where the pleasure comes in. If we were yeah. talking about getting that immediate pleasure from doing an action, it yeah. should be like immediately afterwards, like done. Like yeah. just did just did this thing, or just like just read for ten minutes, tick, like done. Yeah. Um yeah. No, I, I, I get I get hooked on it doing it in the morning. I sometimes forget to like tick them off during the day, but when in like my morning routine it will like drive me. It's like, Oh, I want to tick that off. So I'm going to, you know, um, yeah, I got like the idea of you, you're not allowed to do anything else in a day until you finish your morning routine. Like you literally just like, I can't yeah. do anything else until this is done. Yeah. And then yeah. you find yourself at like 9 PM. Just like, just struggling <laughs> to do good morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's funny. Uh, that's yeah, a good so, point uh, that I completely forgot about that immediate one. Yeah, I think that is because I don't do it enough. Um, no, neither. Yeah, I've always let it go on for too long. Yeah. Like I'll be um, at the end of the day, i like, oh, I did that today. Do you know what I mean? Rather than yes. like straight at the moment, like I've done it. And it's less it's satisfying, isn't it? Literally, yeah, it when is. you take it off at the end of the day, rather than like when you do it, you're like, well, okay, but I've so- done so many other things, it almost gets drowned out. Um, yeah. And you don't associate that immediate reward of that ticking off with that habit so it's not less reinforcing uh, less repeatable um yeah. another actionable one is never miss a habit twice as missing one is likely to basically start a new habit um which i think is yeah. quite a good whether it's twice uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be twice but as in i think the 
the more you miss a habit, the more likely you are going to create a habit of not doing that habit. Um, I do love that yeah. rule of, yeah, never, never, not, never miss it two, two times in a row sort of thing as a good rule yeah. of thumb. Like, you know, the, the whole point of this is you're, there's always going to be things that happen to you in life where yeah. you're not going to be able to do specific things. And it's just like, it's the classic, what's that saying? It's like, it's not how you get hit, it's how you get hit and keep going, whatever. He's like, how yeah. you bounce back from getting hit or whatever the saying is. Yeah. It's yeah. the same premise here. It's, you know, you're, you're going to fail at some point. You're like, you're going to miss the habit. And to honest, uh, realistically, there could be times you're going to miss it twice. Obviously yeah. try and avoid missing it twice. But yeah. The whole point being, you know, don't let that become a habit of missing the, the of missing the habit. Um, exactly. So and I think getting back on it as quick as you can. What, what we were talking about in the last episode of like just showing up is better than not trying at all. And sometimes yeah. I'm in the mood where I like, I haven't gone to the gym yesterday. I'm not really in the mood now, but even if I just go to the gym and I don't do like a full workout, I, it's still, you're still ingraining that habit because you didn't miss it again. And your mindset is more like, okay, I know that this is serious or this is important to me, you know, whether you you don't just have to do it or not do it at all. Um, I think you can, you know, try and do some of it uh, just to try and ingrain it. I quite like the idea as well of even doing the habit, even when it's hard to as well. I don't know. So for example, let's say you're traveling and you're like, I need to keep up the gym and you actually like make a conscious effort to do some exercise. You'll be like, you know, this is the person I am now. Like even when it's tough and I can't really do it, I still get it done. Um, Cause you're like that committed to this, to this thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. No, I, I I agree. Um, So what else do you have here? The breaking of a habit doesn't matter if the reclaiming of it is fast, which is what we just said. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't fall into the habit of thinking you can't do something perfectly. Then you shouldn't do it at all. It's easy to feel you can track something if you haven't done it wholly. Okay. Yeah. So kind of what we were just saying isn't like just showing up, you know, sometimes we're obsessed with like, Oh, I didn't go to the, like I didn't do my full gym workout. So can I tick it off? But the fact is if you showed up and you did something, then yes. that's better than nothing, right? It's, so, it's, it's commitment towards book. that habit. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it was from the intentional self book. He was saying the same thing. I mean, he, he references atomic habits in it, but he was literally saying like, um, you know, obviously writing a book, you just got to write it day by day. Like, and he's like, yeah. at the end of the day, a successful day is any day I've put my pen to paper and even written 20 words because yeah. I've still made progress towards it. And he's like, as I always celebrated just, just doing even if yeah. it was like he's like stop being like a perfectionist don't think you have to write this you know write a book in a day don't think you have to make all the gym progress in a day you just got to show up do the work and then over time if you do that every day you'll you know you'll get there it Absolutely. just makes sense doesn't it yeah it does bit by bit you know if you if you if the task's too big a bit like one of the points you're making i think on either podcast one or two but the the two minute rule where it's just like just get started when the yeah. first two minutes just if you do that you'll probably end up doing more than you think um, exactly because it's almost like the spectrum shifts on how difficult it is some days, just depending on our state, our like mindset yeah. or whatever. And then, but if you're even just showing up, then you're still making that beginning bit easier. Right. So going back to what we were saying, yeah, exactly what you were just saying in, um, in the second episode is that we need to make our habits really easy to do. So even if I'm just showing up, at least I'm making that first bit more ingrained. Yeah. Right, so that yeah. is more likely to be better. I'm just getting started. 
yeah the whole the whole getting started thing i think it's it's quite interesting and i think we will get onto um the tiny habits at some point but he talks mm. obviously a lot about the um i think it was the bmap bmap wasn't it behavior equals motivation action or whatever but anyway he talks a lot about this idea of like activation energy a bit like the law here which is make it easy it's, yeah. it's once you get past the activation energy once you've started it's like the hardest part sorry the best way of putting it is is the starting and once yeah. you've started you're more than likely to carry on with the, with the task that's set yeah so therefore the first aim is always just to start so like the yeah. aim isn't to go to the gym the aim is so the aim isn't to like do a workout the aim is to get to the gym yeah because once you get to the gym you're going to work out just like you know the aim isn't to write a chapter of your book the aim is to write a paragraph because once you start writing a paragraph you're going to write more because yeah, exactly. the the energy it takes to stop doing the task you've just managed to convince your mind to get onto is a is a lot too because once you're on that task to swap back to another task with the stop it's, it actually takes energy to be like right yeah, we've got to think of some we've got to think of something else to do now your well, task switching literally requires cognitive energy yeah and it's like we're not yeah. really you know we'd prefer to just stay on the task that we're doing unless that yeah. task is much easier to switch to but um yeah no, exactly so another point here so it is easy to fall into the habit of focusing more on tracking than the habit itself because the human mind loves to win at whatever game it's playing. And we were talking about this just before the podcast, yeah. but it's so Godhart's law or Goodhart's law is when a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. And you had the great point of pointing out that we love to gamify things and win at things. So, you know, how else can I measure me going to the gym without actually going to the gym? Right. Just so I can mm -hmm. get that tick. And so if that, if that thing that is motivating you, right, then has stops motivating you. So mm -hmm. that tick, right, that tick next to the box isn't really motivating me to do the actual behavior, then it's probably best to find a different parameter to measure. So yeah, that, a new measurement, yeah. You know, or, um, or something that maybe um, complements it, so to speak. Yeah, there's, you know, good arts laws a lot used a lot in business because it talks about, you know, when you start setting incentives for certain things within a business, mm -hmm. they obviously they often get gamed at the cost of other things. So, for example, yeah. let's just say you give somebody a sales target. It doesn't it then becomes a bad measure because the original reason for it was because we wanted to increase sales. But yeah. then you realize at the cost of selling people the dream and not being able to perform to the level of what this person's selling, because yeah. they're so desperate to get as much money or sell as much as possible. They then make up things. Does that make sense? So yeah, the whole yeah, no, point absolutely. being here, when you measure something, you end up incentivizing bad behavior to get past the, the you know, or to, yeah, to game the system. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day with the habit stuff, it's the, I guess you're the only person that you're <laughs> lying to at some point, but I guess it's just more worth being aware that you know maybe you're slipping into this whole thing which was your to do was get to the gym and then you find yourself week after week not doing a properly good workout like you know you're that's not motivating you enough then you need to find something else maybe yeah. another measure with it so like did you go to the gym and then also yeah, yeah exactly like a personal best do you get what i mean like you yeah. can add another variable to it which would then sort of like qualify it so to speak so it's like yeah. a, it's like a higher attainment um exactly which we'll, we'll get into that sort of stuff in the elastic habits because a lot of that is about that like where you have like tiered tiered um habits yeah like one like you've got a lower tier which is easier to do then you've got a higher tier which is really hard and they're scored basically um, yeah that yeah, makes sense um yeah so the last couple of points on this that i've got is the parameter you were tracking is only one of many it does not account for the whole 
or the whole experience. Um, if the thing you are tracking is no longer motivating, yeah, uh, it may be best to change the parameter, one that gives you more signals of progress. Um, yeah. So moving on, so how an accountability partner can change everything. So to break bad habits, invert the fourth law to make it immediately unsatisfying. We are likely to avoid behaviors, experience, behaviors or experiences when the ending is painful. We tend to repeat bad habits because they serve us in some way, but by eliminating that and adding an instant cost to the action, we are likely to avoid them, um, which just makes a lot of sense. Once again, it's like, yeah. you know, you're making something painful or unsatisfying. So why would you do it? You know, and if yeah. you if you kind of educate yourself on why you don't need that behavior, then and you and you apply this like pain, this immediate pain then why would you do that behavior? You know, um, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Uh, so, yeah. And you got this next point, which is quite it's equally as important in my head, which is if you're going to rely on the sort of pain or punishment um, to change somebody's behavior, then the strength of the punishment must match the relative strength of the behavior it is trying to correct. So to be healthy, the cost of laziness must be greater than the cost of exercise, um, which is worth yeah. knowing. Yeah, that you know, it's got to it's got to be something that you know really makes you get up and go. Like if let's just say you were somebody who was really wealthy, and part of your strategy to invoke pain in you is to spend money upon failing to do a task. Yeah, well, that's not going to be painful enough for some people who've got more money. Exactly, that makes sense. Yeah, so it's it's something that has to be painful to you, and yeah, it has to be to more painful painful enough to make you act. Basically, yeah. Um, so no, that's a good point. In, yeah. In general, the more local, tangible, concrete, and immediate the consequence, the more likely it is to influence individual behavior and vice versa. So then you've got this actionable step here, which is the habit contract, which is a verbal or written agreement of commitment and punishments that are given to an accountability partner, partner sorry, to hold you accountable. Um, so, you know, we've I think we mentioned before on this podcast, one of the Atomic Habits podcasts about stick, which is where yes, you, yeah, of, yeah. you know, you, you, basically put some money up front and a friend adjudicates your behavior according to the standard you set and if you fail the money goes to the, like, your anti-charity or something yeah or well, basically basically it's, it's very financially related um but obviously you know if you're putting up big amounts of money then this can be pretty motivating you know if you put like 500 quid to a k into something and be like you know if i if i fail you are taking yeah, yeah. this money that will get most people <laughs> up and going you know yeah, exactly you i was trying it, to it's gone I was trying to incentivize Ben to be like, um, what was it? I can't remember what habit he wanted to do, but I was like, okay. Look, you can pay me 50 pounds every time you don't, you know, succeed at this habit. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'll, I'm, I'll be happy to take that on board. Um, the thing is, I think we might have a conflict of interest in this, in this scenario. Yes. But this, this is the point, isn't it? This, um, I think this is the reason why stick revolves around charities and stuff. Yeah. Where it's like the person who adjudicates doesn't, uh, because obviously you can just be like, no, nah, you didn't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah, take yeah. the money. No, you yeah. definitely didn't do it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. oh, funny. Um, so last couple of points on this, uh, on this chapter. So we tend to follow through when being held accountable because we don't want to be seen as lazy, inconsistent, untrustworthy, or unable to uphold promises. Um, yeah. I which makes a lot of sense interesting because like it's, i was just then focusing on the financial stuff but you're right there's way more to it it's the you know you've also committed to somebody who then you just look like you can't even control yourself if that makes sense you've got well, social pressure 
we don't want to be ostracized, do we? Right. Yeah. So like, why would we make a commitment um, and not follow through with it? And it kind of follows through yeah. with the um, commitment and consistency principle and influence that we were talking about. You know, you're mm. taking a public stance, your social reputations on the line. Um, so you've got more to lose. And I think like you were just saying, you know, money isn't a pain for everyone, for someone who's like really rich, but yeah. the pain that is, is like our social reputation. Of right? course. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're a little hermit, then you know, you're going to be losing. But of course, you always, you don't want to look like a bit of like a, you know, not to not say a loser, because you're not necessarily a loser for not doing a habit. But if you commit to something and then you don't do it, you do seem yeah. like a bit, you know, why would you commit if you can't do it? It's a type of, type of thing, you know. It, it definitely get, it gives you a negative, it gives the person who's, you know, you've committed to a negative impression, right? It's never, never, never going to be Absolutely. like, wow, he's so great for not doing what he said he'd do. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> so, and at the end of the day, like, think about it. You're, telling someone that you've made this commitment, if you don't follow through, then that person's going to be like, well, I don't trust him with then ever committing to yeah, anything. Yeah, no, of course. But I'm yeah, suggesting, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's like that failure can almost be extrapolated to the adjudicators. Um, yes. And impact their judgment. So last bit. So we also follow through with things when we feel watched as we want to present our best versions of ourselves. So an actionable step is another way to avoid bad habits is to make them painful in the moment. Um, yeah. And before this course telling you, and I've now got the name of it, of the alcohol one. So to make certain actions painful, there's a thing called antabuse, which is to do with alcohol. Yeah. And what it does is it, it, it produces an acute sensitivity to ethanol. And it works by inhibiting the enzyme aldosidehyde, whatever it's called, causing the many effects of the hangover to be felt immediately following alcohol consumption. That's, that's so basically, this is a this is a pill that makes you feel a hangover immediately upon drinking, and it's usually used for people who you know suffer from alcoholism. Um, but I was also telling you about the one that I heard about with the um, nails. So people who want to stop bite, biting their nails, there's a specific type of nail polish. And I can't remember the name of it. It's really going to bother me. Yeah. yeah. But um, it basically tastes disgusting. So every time you bite your nail. You, you you know you're gonna immediately feel the pain of disgustingness in your mouth yeah, yeah. um and it actually made me realize there's probably a lot of business opportunities uh, just yeah. from thinking of ways to make people's habits painful. more painful in the moment yeah but you think about it, like, yeah. think about like dog things like you know there's electric collars i'm not saying that's for humans but the whole point there is like an immediate bang you've done something wrong you're electrocuted yeah. Yeah. um there's plenty of things in my head. I, I know there's probably a more examples for using what people. Yeah, I like it. But you get yeah. what I mean. It's is there's plenty of ways I think you can, you know you could basically have I don't oh, I'm just trying to think what else you could do. You could coat your you could coat your um alcohol bottles with like an electric wire, like an electric fence every time. Do you get what I mean? But there's yeah, 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 yeah. basically just think of all the things that people do um which they want to stop doing and then try and come up with creative ways you can combine things together to like stop them from doing it i yeah. think that nail thing's genius i think that nail thing is genuinely genius it's probably a lot to do around nails. like quitting smoking gambling um yeah 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 i mean obviously the problem is you the market's only as big as the people who want to change their behavior yeah of course and then it's also the people who are committed to it but i still think there's you know there's plenty of um opportunities for creativity here as well like you know yeah. new new solutions to these problems you know yeah but i like i said i think that nail thing is genius combine nail polish with something that tastes disgusting and now you have a treatment for people who bite their nails it's yeah uh, i could do with very, that very very <laughs> you know i mean i bite my nails all the time yeah. why, why i was like this is a really cool idea yeah um, um yeah okay so 
next uh, last section as well, that, um, advanced tactics. So the truth about talent, when genes matter and when they don't. So habits are easier, which is the third law, to perform and are more satisfying, which is the fourth law, when they align with your genetic predispositions slash natural abilities. Our environment determines the success of our genes. When the environment changes, so do the qualities that determine success. Genes do not determine your destiny. They determine your areas of opportunity. And I think this is a very good point from him. I like that quote a lot. Yeah. I've just, I've only just, you know, I never took that note, but I like that one a lot. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes so much sense. If we have all these genes and they get expressed, well, they're they're being expressed by our interaction with the environment. So it touches on what we talked about. um, I think it was in the first episode of this um, of designing your own environment, right. With the cues. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that it like acts and expresses the genes that we kind of want. And naturally we have all these um, predispositions, these natural abilities. And so those habits that revolve around those areas are going to be easier and more satisfying, you know? Um, and yeah. So, yeah, it just makes so much sense. Of course. I mean, to honest, my, my leaning then when I was thinking about it with the, um, you know, genes that determine your destiny, but they, you know, determine your areas of opportunity. I just think of the extreme examples of where somebody's like seven foot, like, mm. you know, they're obviously going to have opportunities in like stuff like basketball. They're going to be unreal at these specific activities and somebody who's like a really short, really short. Right. Yeah. But once again, it's like, I like the point is it doesn't determine your destiny because it, it does to some degree, right? Like it does de- determine what yeah, you could be good at, but it reveals to you your opportunities and what you could be good at. Right. Like, yeah. And I think another way of thinking about it as well is obviously he's talking a lot about genes, but it's also about what you're currently good at. It's just thinking yeah. about where you are now where are your opportunities based upon your personal strengths? Like what habits are going to fit nicely into your lives based upon your personal, you know, makeup at the moment, like the context of your life. Like if you're somebody who's played, you know, I don't know, tennis all your life, you're going to be good at racket sports. So therefore you're going to, if you're going to have a more active habit-based lifestyle, part of the habits you want to do is play more sport. You're going to gravitate towards the opportunities of racket sports because that's what you're good at. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Um, you want these behaviors to be as easy as possible and as satisfying as possible. So if you already know where you excel in those areas, then it's probably best to, you know, start building habits around that. Um, Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, you know, don't, like you said, don't go against your genes. Don't go against your, you know, personal makeup at the moment. I think, you know, it's hard enough to pick up these habits as well, but if you're battling the fact that you're not very good at the thing you're trying to pick up as well, I don't think it, it's going to help. Yeah. Unless you've got right. some serious determination and patience. Um, yeah, and some people absolutely do that. Do. You know, you see yeah. some people, like Roger Federer, I feel like, is, you know, is genetically inclined to play tennis, right? He just, it yeah. seems to, well, not anymore, but, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he just, it always looks easy for him, which obviously it's not, but he, I feel like he found his area of expertise, whereas someone else, um just on like brute force can obviously become successful but it will be harder um, yes yeah it's the argument for like hard work these talent when you have both it's like a win-win exactly. um it's like a catalyst but obviously yeah yeah 100 percent. what else so, do you have here personalities so our personalities influence our preferences, which in turn yeah. makes certain behaviors easier for some people than others. For example, people low in conscientiousness, which is like organization, 
um, are likely to be worse at organizing and therefore need to rely more on environmental design. And that's quite interesting. It's more about how, you know, taking this four-step process and applying it to our personalities, you know, yeah. um, and knowing where to improve on, along this four-step process um, based on our preferences. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably... Because I think some I people, it. like, didn't he, didn't he bring up neuroticism in this? I didn't take the note down, but it was something about being, like, you know, more sensitive to certain things, and so those people are more likely to require... I think it was people who were low in... Um, okay. high in neuroticism and low in conscientiousness. And, yeah, and what, he was talking what, about what I think it was something to do with, like, designing your environment because your cues are going to be more... Um, you're going to be more ah, sensitive well, to certain cues. Okay, yeah, that that would make sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. iconic. I get what that would make sense. Yeah, but that's that's yeah. a couple. Of, that's a level of awareness. Your your own self awareness comes into play here, and how you know you respond best to to these things, right? Absolutely. Um, and this is st- back to this the main point of this, which is you know finding out what your strengths and weaknesses are, and where yeah. you know you can leverage those to create habits. You know. Yeah. Um. What do you get here? To figure out which habits are best for you, you need to explore many possibilities. And when you find one that comes to you naturally, exploit it. So you can also ask yourself the following questions. What feels like fun to me, but work to others? What makes me lose track of time? Where do I get a greater returns than the average person? And what comes naturally to me? So once again, this is just, yeah, trying to pick out your sort of strong points, uh, what you enjoy to do, etc. Yeah. and what do you say this when you can't win by being better you can win by capitalizing on your differences okay our genes do not eliminate the need for hard work they clarify it they tell us what to work hard on however you still have to put the reps in before giving something up okay i quite like that too which is yeah you still got to try it before you you know you give up yeah and i think it makes sense and the idea of like capitalizing on your differences um I think that's quite clear. It's like, why try and play the game that everyone else is doing when you don't feel like it's coming easy to you? Whereas you know that this area over here, a lot of yeah. people struggle at and you find it very easy. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like, like I'm doing maths you, I'm... at school. Yeah. 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 There's, there's um, it kind of reminded me a bit. It's like, you know, knowing where your strengths are reminded me of the story. I don't know if you've heard it of like Jeff Bezos. Cause he went to, um, I don't know where he went to uni. I'm forgetting it. Um, it but any, it was something like that. And he was studying physics. Yeah. And basically he, he says something along the lines of like, he was really stumped on this question. This kid comes into his dorm and like solve this like thing. And then he was like, fuck, if I'm competing against this guy, I'm never going to make it in this field. So then he decided to like be an entrepreneur because <laughs> he was literally like, this guy figured out something that I was never going to figure out within seconds. He's like, this is the level of what it takes to be, you know, the top of this field. I don't want to be in this field anymore because I'm not going to be the top. Yeah. Which I thought was quite an interesting perspective on it. It just it's once again, it's when you, when you kind of realize it's not for you, you can, you move, you move on to something else. I agree. And I think also, you know, you can combine things to make it specialized, right? So yeah. he might've combined, it's like Elon Musk combining physics with kind of entrepreneurship you know uh, engineering i would say more so engineering engineering engineering, yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. so like you may not be the best at physics you may not be the best at engineering but 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 it gave him the ability to be good at numbers and then you know that's like do you get what i mean he was yeah 
everything yeah. the skills were transferable if that makes sense and you know, exactly. then you combine the two and you get some yeah weird mix of skills like you're unique then aren't you yeah instead of just being you know it's like i remember that was a i can't remember who it's from though it's like niching into two things yeah so it's like if you're the best at the world one thing fair enough but if you're really really competent at two or three things you're such a weird amalgamation you're gonna have like interesting ideas and you're gonna be like a very unique blend and one of a kind yeah. because everybody seems to specialize and his point was being if you could be really competent or really like so not top five percent in these fields but if you're like top ten percent in three different competencies you're going to be very very useful because maybe yeah, that makes just sense. focus on one thing and i was a bit like yeah, yeah. i think it's scott adams i think it was scott adams was like it was just yeah some, it's like a life advice book and he was just like yeah if you just focus on three things you can get good at and then you combine the three of them but like we've talked about this before which is like you know if you knew how to do like anim- video animating but also like yeah. to do podcasts or like to do youtube you're infinitely going to be more like powerful on youtube because you can do multiple things that are conducive to youtube exactly if that makes sense rather than yeah. just being somebody who can video edit but if you can actually create animations and stuff as well it just all these things help right yeah you combine it until you are the top five percent yeah that, you know? well i guess um, yeah once again like let's just say you're really good at like the graphic design and then you learn entrepreneurial skills you can set up your own design business and then you can yeah. add another skill i guess on something else and that's how that that's how in my head people end up doing that route they start with yeah. one skill and then they try and build other skills to start selling that skill and they you know they end up being this amalgamation of multiple different things rather than just one um, absolutely no it makes so much sense um yeah to me move on to the next one yes so what do we have here we've got the goldilocks rule right mm-hmm. so the goldilocks rule states that humans experience peak motivation when tasks are right on the edge of their current abilities so a state of flow um once a habit has been established so this is practical it's important to continue to advance in small ways but behaviors need to remain novel to stay attractive and satisfying without variety we get bored um and this is what you were saying earlier, where it's like, you know, we were, you, you were using the analogy of the gym. Like every time you go to the gym, you try and, you know, progressively overload, you add more weight. It's similar to yeah. that with the sort of habits you need to sort of be pushing your boundary. Um, Absolutely. And I, okay, and I think just go, this fits for some, fits yes. for some habits yeah, more than course. others. Cause I was going to say, you've got to push the boundaries with the spinach. You've got to really <laughs> yeah. like five leaves, more spinach. let's make it six. <laughs> let's go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree. But uh, yeah, it's interesting because the state of flow. So flow is this idea. What is it? It's, um, it's when it's you're like, Yeah, it's like a f- focus mode or zone where you're like incredibly in the zone. Basically, everyone would have experienced that at some point. But it's like on the bridge of, what is it? Difficulty, just beyond our level of difficulty. Um, and wasn't there something else? It's like, I can't remember the graph. It was like fun and bored or something. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's in between the two. It's where your attention is completely taken by the task, I believe, and you can't really think of anything else. Yeah. But it's not too hard to like. So I guess Overwhelm. I can give you an example. Like me personally, whenever I hit a task where I'm not really 100% clear on what I need to do, I will then, that's when I pick up my phone, right? Yeah. Because there's no way for my attention to be focused because I'm not really sure what the end point is and where it's going. But when yeah. I'm clear on what I need to do, so for example, if I'm in a task and I'm already know where it's ending, you, you can kind of get in the zone if that makes more sense. And it's that, that ability where you're kind of clear, you're progressing, you're, I don't know, I, I guess 
it has to be that you're you're clear on what you're doing you know there's an end goal and you feel like you're progressing on the task as you're doing it well that's yeah. how i at least that's how i describe it because i find myself in flow more in video games than you can do like maybe in real life obviously when you're doing tasks you can get into flow but video games are amazing for getting people into like focused attention they really I think are, it is yeah. that yeah. and it's literally a level of like you're focused on the task because you know where you're going what the plan is yeah like for me i don't know what you when you play a video game for example you'll you'll get to a point in the game where you now need to figure out the new goals so like where am i going next i'm going to this viewpoint i'm going to this and once you know where you're going you then you're focused again because you yeah, have exactly. to know what the task is before you can even start it does that make sense like and the game is great at establishing your competency level so okay, yeah. you know where you need to go and then the game can also program the difficulty just beyond your difficult your competency so it's like you're you've got that motivation to get to point b but there's a little difficulty in the way and that makes yeah. you want to overcome it if it's too difficult it's like well then the goal isn't worth it right it's not motivating enough um and i think that's kind of when you get into that zone zone mode that flow yeah. that flow state um yeah and so you can get that with habits basically uh and i think what was the second point that you said here so behaviors need to remain novel to stay attractive and satisfying so yeah without variety we get bored um and so we need to switch them up ever so slightly yeah um, okay yeah I, I can agree with that because you change just think just you're just stay interested yeah i was thinking you know eating vegetables if you had to only eat broccoli every day jesus christ but it's like the variety of things you can have within that subset right or like the variety yeah. of exercises you can do the yeah. variety of books you can read the variety of other things like all of that has a level of variety in it that's like that's like attractive right but if yeah. you said to me for the rest of your life you know the part of the vegetable habit is you have to eat strictly just like a specific vegetable you yeah. can imagine how that could get very boring over time absolutely you know absolutely but, uh, yeah you need to incentivize yourself to want to do the habit at the end of the day um and although it becomes automated yeah what's this point here so as our habits become automated and ordinary we lose pleasure and become bored thus making us derail from our progress to seek novelty and i think that's actually a really good point because we are novelty seekers that i myself am someone who's always off to find the new thing um it means that, yeah, I may not stay committed and disciplined. And so if I can bridge the two so I can apply this novelty to the things that I actually need, know I need to do and yeah. want to do, then, um, yeah, then it's the best of both, uh, introducing that element of novelty. Okay. Um, what else do we next? What's the next bit? So Machiavelli noted men desire novelty to such an extent that those who are doing well wish for a change as much as those who are doing badly that's quite funny <laughs> but also quite interesting isn't it it's like yeah. i do think that is true um yeah it's a bit life crisis isn't it it's the classic yeah it's why people who are really successful end up or successful in definitions based like society would decide is successful end up you know being self-sabotaging and wanting you know to change their lives yeah, if that makes sense. They always have that sort of. They but do something a bit crazy. Yeah. Um, so the best habit forming products are those that okay, yeah, that, that's interesting. The best habit forming products are those that provide continuous forms of novelty. If you think about like the newsfeed and TikTok and scrolling, yeah, yeah, yeah the whole yeah. point is each thing's new, isn't it? Um. So you yeah, need just enough winning. Oh, sorry. Okay. 
No, I was just going to like, I completely agree. Social well, social media is so good at that, isn't it? Like that mm. refresh, drag and drop. And it's like, everything is new. It's like, um, they likened it to like the slot machine, didn't they? It's like, every time yeah. you do it, it's like a new, what, what's, what's the thing I'm going to see now? And then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and if you don't see something you like, you just do it again. Um, yeah. But yeah, you need just enough winning to experience satisfaction and just enough wanting to experience desire. Quite like that one. Yeah. Just enough wanting to experience desire. But where does the wanting come from? I guess so it comes from the the attraction towards a pleasurable feeling, I guess, or it depends a once novelty. again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the last point here. So the only way to become excellent is to be endlessly fascinated by doing the same thing over and over. You have to fall in love with boredom. And I think there was a point here that I didn't take, but it was like, that's what separates people who are successful is that they're able to fall in love with the process, even if it isn't that like, you know, novelty, like there, there isn't much novelty or there isn't that much pleasure to gain after it's almost like you've sapped all the pleasure out of it. Um, and I guess you could go back to introducing immediate pleasure. Yeah. Um, because you're almost you're weaning yourself off it but then i guess if you need to if you're falling out of love with it again then just introduce a bit of immediate pleasure again or uh, introduce some variety yeah 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 or pleasurable variety yeah (laughs) they do the two together yeah um and then here last bit what did you so it's the the downside to creating good habits as habits become automatic, you become less sensitive to feedback. You assume you're getting better when in reality, you're merely reinforcing the current habit. So habits plus deliberate practice equals mastery. Yeah. I quite like that. It's the idea that you, you know, you kind of need to be aware of the habits, so to speak, even if, even if they're positive over time, you need to sit back and be like, are these still serving me in a way, I guess. Yeah. And I think um, the whole deliberate practice stuff, so it's almost ties in with peak when we summarize that and he was talking about how if you just do this the same thing over and over again you improve your confidence in doing it but not necessarily the ability to do it um which i quite like so you know you may be doing the same habit but if you're not if if you're not introducing like iterations and innovating it and you know improving upon it then yeah it is just the same habit over and over again and i guess with some things you know eating broccoli it's not like you're trying to improve on how to eat broccoli you just eat broccoli right um so you don't yeah. need to innovate that much but obviously some habits more than others uh yeah i i, well, I mean this kind of leads strictly into the next stuff you're saying so Use a weekly, monthly, quarterly, or annual annual review to observe your patterns of behavior and establish establish if you're needing uh, improvement, and then reflect on your actions. I quite like that. The idea yeah. that you know you, you need to be consciously on top of this habit based stuff, but not you know day to day because the whole point is you're just meant to be doing the habits. But every like quarter, you you know you should be thinking, are these still serving me the way they they were originally intended? Exactly. So to speak. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then without reflection, we can make excuses, create rationalizations, and lie to ourselves. Um, improvement is not just about learning habits. It's also about fine-tuning them. Yeah, so constantly improving on them, um, innovating them. 
And then some actionable stuff here. So you can improve on your habits by asking yourself three questions. What are the core values that drive my life and work? So it's basically what is my goal? Um, how am I living and working with integrity right now? So am I living up to it? And how can I set a higher standard in the future? How can I improve? So it's almost like, you know, past, present and future. Um, and those kind of reviews allow you to see your progress in the past analyze it see is this working is the right kind of habits that i need to be working on where should i improve especially along this kind of four-step process you know is the cue obvious is it satisfying is it easy those kinds of things and then um how am i doing it currently at the moment and then do i need to change anything basically um do i need to innovate it do i need to have a higher standard um and i think that's why yeah it probably is quite important to like check in now and then and try and improve those things yeah did you want me to do the next bit yeah yeah go ahead so you got one of the greatest downsides of habits is letting the pride in your identity uh brackets that your habits are rooted in get in the way of further progress so eg if your identity is wrapped up in a belief like i am a great soldier what happens when your period of service ends ends sorry um, and then the practical aspect of this is to overcome this, you need to redefine your identity. So you hold on to the most important aspects of it. Um, so EG, if you're an athlete, it becomes I'm the type of person who likes fitness, um, or alternatively, you could break it down into character qual- uh, qualities. I thought it was quite interesting because obviously everybody's roles in life change, you know, so it's like you go through life stages, let's just say, yeah, you know, people go through careers and then change careers. Yeah. And therefore, you need a re-update of your identity. So therefore, the point here being, you know, let's just say you used to be a salesperson, now you're something else. What you should be looking at is taking the key or the core aspects of what makes somebody a salesperson and now applying them to this new identity rather than just still yeah. sticking to the to the older one um, because it doesn't serve you as well, essentially. Which makes me wonder, I, want, I wonder if the identity that you should kind of build is flexible to just different environments and different you know contexts well then it should um, just be about character qualities rather than just yeah do you get what i mean yeah less so about the, the less so about the societal words such as oh he's a salesperson he's a entrepreneur he's an actor yeah. he's a and more so about the actual qualities themselves that you embody sense. yeah so absolutely. you basically you just you create a more specific identity based upon character qualities rather than like a, you know a specific word or and you just create may, uh, the identity associated to your name <laughs> of the character qualities that you want. Yeah. So instead of somebody says, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you're this, and you're like, no, I'm Tristan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not Tristan that. Hornack. Yeah. <laughs> James Bond. James Bond. Um, um, yeah. No, you know I think I, mean? I, I wonder if that is the best way to go about it because that way, you know, your identity doesn't get in the way because you're kind of living by principles in that sense yeah. or flexible qualities that you would based on your integrity would uphold in any scenario you know um they're flexible to any scenario pretty much uh yeah that's a i think that would be a better way of doing it you know yeah um yeah and then last last point here so habits can look us into uh lock us into certain ways of thinking and acting that can sometimes blind us to little errors it is important to revisit them now and then to see if they require updating so i guess we now have to recap what has probably been the best part of three hours 
and yeah, 50 minutes. I think so. Yeah. I think just to keep it quick, we're going to stick yeah. to the sort of very main, the main framework he gives, I guess, in his book, because he, he has like a table, doesn't he, which he explains all these. Yes. Yeah. So I think the best way, maybe if we do this, we just take it turn by turn. So if you want yeah, to start. Okay. Yeah, go. After you. Okay. So the actionable steps from Atomic Habits. So we got the first um, goal, which is how to create a good habit. The first, the first law of this is make it obvious. Um, and the four main techniques he's got here is fill out the habit scorecards. So write down your habits to become aware of them, um, which is essentially jotting down the habit that you're doing with a plus, a minus, or a neutral sign, if I remember it. Mm-hmm. And then also roughly the the other things you can include on that on that uh, journal sheet is where it happens, the context that happens, and you know what usually starts the the desire, so to speak, mm-hmm. of doing the habit. And then number two, you've got use implementation intentions. So being very specific with where you're going to do the habit. So you will have I will bracket behavior slash habit. So I will do this habit at time and then in or at location. So you're being very specific with what you're going to do. So I don't know. I'm going to read my book at uh, 9am tomorrow morning in my kitchen with a coffee, or I'm going to go to the gym at 7am in the morning at the local gym. Um, yeah. The more specific you are, the better, because obviously once first of all, clarity, calendarize it. Yeah, exactly. And you just, you know where you need to be to do the habit. So, you know, and you know the time. So, you know, every morning at 9am, you're going to read your book with your coffee. Um, yeah. Then you've got number three, which is use habit stacking. So this is trying to combine your two habits. So after you do one that you already do, so let's just say you, you currently drink a coffee in the morning or you usually brush your teeth when you wake up, which I assume most people do. Um, you then add a new habit immediately afterwards. So after I brush my teeth, I will floss. Or after I make my coffee in the morning, I will read a book or read a page of my book. Um, the whole point here being is you combine one action to be the cue for the next action. It's a bit like before the cue was the time and the location. This time it's like, after I do this specific thing that I always do, I'm now going to add something else to to join onto it. Um, and then the very last one for the first law is designing your environment to make the cues of good habit, uh, habits obvious and visible. So I don't know, if you wanted to read a book in the morning, you leave it by your doorstep, let's just say. If you wanted to go to the gym, you do the same thing, you leave your clothes out and obvious for, for you to do it. So it's basically prepping stuff. So what you what you desire to do is visible and obvious to you where you need to do it. I mean, I guess an even better one then from what I've just been saying would be, let's say you're going to read a book with your coffee machine the night before you place the book right next to the coffee machine. So upon seeing the coffee and the book, you go, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing right now. Um, You could do the same with gym. I guess you could literally put your gym clothes either at the the exit to your bedroom, or you could even put it outside the front door and be like, okay, that reminds me I now need to go. Yeah. Uh, Although they might be cold. (laughs) Um, But okay. That's the uh, first one of making it obvious um okay so the second law is make it attractive so we're layering stuff on top of all those points that you just said so use temptation bundling so to make um a habit more attractive pair an action you want to do with an action you need to do um so 
if I want to drink a coffee, um, then I compare, you know, uh, reading a book. So it makes the action of reading a book more attractive because I get to have my coffee as well. Um, yeah. You're just making it seem more attractive. Uh, then join a culture where your desired behavior is the normal behavior. So it's reinforcing. There's an element of accountability. Like when everyone around you is participating in this action that, you know, is your desired habit, then um, it's much more easier to do it because everyone else is doing it. Um, yeah. Uh, then the third point is create a motivational motivation ritual so do something you enjoy immediately before a difficult habit um did we touch on that i'm not sure we did i don't know if we touched on it in the pop- podcast to be honest um, motivation ritual i think maybe the reason why we didn't is because it was very similar to temptation yeah bundling. it sounds yeah um, exactly um but like i guess basically stuff. i guess you can argue that like you're doing something that um elicits a certain state right and if you're, it's a motivational state, then you're more likely to, when you do the thing that you need to do, you apply it to that. And so it makes it more attractive. And I guess an example would be like, for instance, I do a morning routine and I get very motivated after I complete my whole morning routine because I tickle the yeah. things. Um, and then after that, then I can apply it to a task that I'm not, I've been procrastinating about, but actually because I'm in this motivated state, I feel motivated to do it. You know, it yeah. makes it more attractive. Um, it's it's, fu- it's funny as well because if you look at a lot of what you know like tony robbins i don't know if you've ever seen some yeah, of his yeah. work like when he does his seminars whatever uh he always does that like jumping around like on a yeah, trampoline yeah, yeah. getting your body moving getting the energy flowing and it kind of reminds me of that a little bit where it's like you do something to like get your energy up to be able to take on the day or do the task so it's yeah like, yeah um no, i agree um okay yeah and then we've got moving on to the third law the make it easy so uh tip number one is reduce friction so decrease the number of steps between you and your good habits um i guess with this it's it's i think we we mentioned it before on on the longer form of the podcast where it's like you break down the task let's just say you want to pick up a habit of going to the gym you might realize there's many steps to going to the gym and one of them is deciding which gym to go to so you need to make you reduce the steps so basically maybe today your focus is to pick the gym, sign up for the gym. Then afterwards, eventually you get to the point where the only step to go and do the gym is just picking the time and day and obviously mm-hmm. getting changed and going. The point being, the easier it is to do, the more likely you are to do it. The less steps there are, the easier it is. Another thing you could do, a bit like what I was saying a minute ago, is um, put things sort of next to the thing they're meant to, you're meant to do it with. So putting a book next to the coffee place because it reduces the friction. Yeah. There is now not a step of me going all the way upstairs to grab the book. It's literally where it's meant to be. You could say the same for like, I mean, technically that's what meal prep is. You've already prepped the meals for the week. So you don't, yeah. there's no friction. There's no more steps. Um, you know, you already know what you're eating. You're, 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 you're jumping straight into it because you've done it bulk up front um then you've got prime the environment so prepare your it's exactly the same prepare your environment to make the future actions easier um master the decisive moment which is optimize the small choices that deliver outsized impact so this once again i guess you could even say choosing the time and place for when you do the gym is one of the key components to actually going to the gym or potentially even another thing would be uh deciding on the workout you're going going to do because once you've decided on the workout you're going to do and or you have a program, it's a lot easier to follow it than having to come up with the program when you get yeah, to the yeah. gym. 
Like you yeah. already know what you're going to do. So therefore that will deliver outside results uh, in terms of being compliant with that habit. I don't know. Can you think of anything other than that off the top of your head? Um, I'm, I'm missing here. No, I think you, you touched on it. I can't uh, think of an example, but yeah, it was the idea that like, you know, when you make a choice, it determines the following choices, the following options. Yeah. And so you want to be able to make a choice that produces good options after that right so that it's easier to follow so you know if you have two options afterwards and they're both good then you're winning you know yeah uh, so you're kind of restricting yourself to a good environment um okay yeah and then we've got here which is probably one of my favorites which is use the two minute rule so downscaling the habits until you can uh they can be done in two minutes or less and this basically means um making the habit so small that it's easy to do but at the same time, because it's so easy to do, once you've started, you're going to end up doing more. So I guess a couple of examples of this, which we've discussed is would be, you know, just going to the gym and then you could say to yourself, you know, you can leave, but you're, once you're already there, you're going to go. Or e- even more, um, even less time is getting on the train to the gym, getting on the bus to the gym, getting to the taxi to the gym. Because once you've done that, it's highly likely, highly likely you're going to follow through with the rest of the habit. Yeah. Um, and then other stuff, which is, you know, let's say you want to build a habit of reading more or, you know, eating veg. A reading one would be read a read a page, read the paragraph, something which, you know, if you read a paragraph, you're probably going to continue. Yeah. Um, or if you read a page, it's the same. And with the vegetables, it could be like eat one, one uh, stem of broccoli. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you're more like, obviously, if there's more on your plate, you're probably going to eat more. But the whole point is you break it down into something that's so, so simple. Um and it also reminds me a lot of the what I've been saying to you, which is just like starting something. So yeah. I even do it for for when I'm working as well. If it's if it's something you've been putting off for ages, let's just say it's replying to somebody on email, just just set up, just put their email in your inbox and just read it. Because if you read it, you're going to reply. Yeah, because it's up. So yeah. it's just it's all about the whole point of this is all about starting and making it really really simple to start. Um, and then you've got number f- uh, the very last one, sorry, I think it's number five, automate your habits. So invest in technology and one-time purchases that lock in future behavior. So the examples he was giving of this in the book of making things easy like that is setting up standing orders for your finances. So for example, that invest £200 into your saving accounts every month, um, you know, buying things that will, a one-time purchase, which will, you know, benefit you in the long run so another good example yeah. could be let's say you want to get better at sleeping you invest up front in a really comfy bed that you know yeah. is gonna you know help other habits off the back of it um and that kind of ties here, into yeah. that whole mastering the decisive moment isn't it it's like yes yeah. you know, it's it's de- it's determining what kind of options are available um yeah. afterwards putting you in a good place um, you know I, I guess another really good one could be like let's just say you really don't enjoy cutting up certain foods buying something which aids you in the stuff you don't like to do. So if you really hate using the knives you have, buy new knives or buy new things. I used to hate garlic. So like cutting up garlic until I got a proper garlic press. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, (laughs) most people have a garlic press, right? But we didn't. So it just made everything easier when it came to putting garlic into food, right? It's one of those things that you just buy up front. I mean, I guess another another example could be um, one-time purchase of Tupperware boxes. Not everybody has it. And then you can start doing meal, meal preps. Yeah, that's a big one. Beforehand, you, you wouldn't have had, you know, if you didn't have it, then you, you could never have been able to store your food yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then last one, the fourth law, make it satisfying. So 
use reinforcement. So give yourself an immediate reward when you complete your habit. Um, that way you're making it more pleasurable. You're making it more likely to repeat it. Um, yeah, so you want to be able to introduce an immediate reward. And there's multiple ways to do that, which we talked about earlier on, um, especially with the idea of uh, seeing success, right? We like the feeling of success. We like the feeling of that we've overcome something. And if you can show progress, whether that's by habit tracking, then you're making it more satisfying. Um, you're adding that extra layer to that habit. Uh, number two, make doing nothing enjoyable. So when avoiding a bad habit, design a way to see the benefits. So I think we came up with an example earlier on. So for instance, if I'm quitting uh, drinking alcohol, then if I was to go to the pub every week and spend a certain amount, then I can put that aside um, in like a and save up for something else, uh, something that is in line with the kind of identity that I'm pursuing. Uh, number three, use a habit tracker. So keep track of your habit streak and don't break the chain. Um, I think one of the, yeah, which is the next one as well. So never miss twice. Um, that way you're not creating a habit that breaks your habit. Um, and it's important to stay on top of that. And also that you don't um, become obsessed with the tracker. Um, if the tracker is no longer motivating that behavior that habit then it's probably best to stop using that tracker or to add a new kind of parameter that you're going to measure and that way it can motivate you once again um and yes yeah that's that's so those are all the laws of um creating habits or creating a good habit yeah and now we're gonna we're gonna quickly move on to the inverse of all these laws so this is mm -hmm. this is the tips and tricks to of to break bad habits yeah so you've got the inversion of the first law so the first law was make it obvious and the inversion is make it invisible so the first point here is reduce the exposure to to the habit so i guess for example if you know your main exposure to drinking let's say is alcohol you want to avoid drinking alcohol reduce the exposure you have to events where alcohol drinking is the norm would be a classic one another ex example i guess could be something like if you know you're eating lots of sweets or chocolate not buying it in the first place and therefore the exposure of it not being in a kitchen means you're not going to eat it yeah and then you've got the second one which is very similar so remove the cues of your bad habits from your environment so let's say you still want to keep the chocolate for a rainy day you just put it in the back of your cupboard so it's not visible yeah uh well not in the cupboard because it probably melt but um you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's 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 not um it's harder to see and therefore remind you that it exists and prompt the sort of, you know, the desire to, to eat it or if it's, yeah. the, it's the same with alcohol um, or any bad habit like that. Um, they're they're I very actually, linked. I mean, what you say? I was going to say, I actually love coming across stuff that I've completely forgotten about. Yeah. It's actually you like, so yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. When you come, when you like purposely put something away and then you forget about it for ages and then you happen yeah. to find it at like the most optimal time. Yeah. Um, like, okay. Yeah. I know, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, to honest, once again, these two points are very similar. The whole yeah, point here is just, you know, hide, hide the cues of the bad habits, you know, yeah. Yeah. or reduce your exposure to events or context that cause you to do the habit. So for example, if I bite my nails when I drive, drive less i mean yeah. i know that's not really a solution for most people but it's one of those things where if you know this is a high import an environment where you do the habit a lot try and reduce the amount of times you're in that environment yeah yeah um and then the inversion of the second law make it unattractive these two points are 
pretty much hand in hand. So reframe your mindset and highlight the benefits of avoiding your bad habits. So kind of like what we were talking about in the second episode. So um, uh, educate yourself on if you want to, like, you know, convince yourself that something is bad, look up the bad stuff about it. You know, that way it will convince you because you'll have this imbalance of information that is like you only know all the negatives about this and it outweighs the positives of it. Um and the same thing with like emphasizing the bad aspects of it, um, of any kind of habits, whether that's like doing the actual habit or what, you know, what the, the consequences of the habits are. Um, all of these help reframe how you perceive the habit and make it more unattractive. Um, yeah. Cool. And then we've got the inversion of the th- third law, which was, I believe, make it easy. And this inversion is called make it difficult. <laughs> and the very first part is increase friction. So this, once again, is adding extra steps. So, for example, let's just say you don't want to use your phone. You throw it in another room. The friction is I have to get up and walk towards it to pick it up to use it. You're therefore less likely to like pick it up and scroll because there's a friction, there's a step, there's a step of having to move and do something. You've got a very similar point here, which is increase the number of steps between you and your bad habits. Once again, it's the same premise. It's trying to create effort between you and the thing you were doing, whether it's locking away specific things. Like I was, I think I was telling you the other day about those timer boxes, or maybe I wasn't, you can buy those like um, containers where you put like a timer at the top and you put your phone in it, or you can put cigarettes in it or whatever, slam it down put a timer on for like two hours and that's going to, you know, add a step to doing something. Yeah. Um, once again, the same thing with our, that one sec app. Yes. Yeah. 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 Which Um, just, and that app essentially just creates a barrier. So anytime you open the chosen app, you don't want to use as much. So let's just say it's Instagram. It, automatically pauses for about you can program it to change the amount of time so i think the default is six seconds but you can even go up to a minute so basically as soon as you open the app it then pauses your phone for like a minute being like are you sure you want to do this the point being that it creates it it creates uh, an extra step a barrier to to you know uh to to doing the habit yeah yeah um and then you've got number three so using a commitment device and this again is um, where you basically say, "I am not going to do something," and there, and then if you do it, you've admitted publicly that you're not going to do it, and therefore the pain of um, the pain or the social anxiety of you know n- not doing something you said you're going to do forces you to to um, to keep it up and not do the bad habit. Yeah, and then you've got. Number four, restrict your future choices to the ones that benefit you. Um, I'm trying to think what restrict your future choices to the ones that benefit you. What, what can you remember what that was what the Zat was about? Because I'm I'm struggling to get my head around that. Restricting the uh, your future, your future choices, choices to the ones that benefit ones. you. Um I guess it's like well, I guess it's kind of the inverse of the ones that we talk about with the decisive moments, you know, mastering okay, the yeah. decisive moments. Because once again, if like if you act now that it restricts yes. your your options later on so you can't even engage in the bad habits so he had an example what was it um oh bollocks uh there was a good one. Oh yeah so for instance um his uh when he went to like a restaurant and he would okay. ask for them to halve the meal before <laughs> yeah. it even came out right so he makes yeah. the decision early so that he can't actually 
eat half of his meal right yes okay um and so those things basically you're acting in um prior to uh, yes i guess you could even say something along the lines of you could do that when you're at home as well when you cook you immediately put half the portions into the fridge for tomorrow tomorrow's lunch yeah. or anything like that which cuts portion size down or whatever so i yeah i get that now it's yeah so you take take action in the moment before you get you know taken away by desire like if you put you know all the food on your plate it's highly likely you're going to eat it all whereas exactly. if you upfront decide not to serve yourself the whole amount the effort to get up and you know yeah re- exactly it creates you know, friction and everything like that yeah um, yeah 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 okay cool i get that now um and then lastly inversion of the fourth law which was make it satisfying is make it unsatisfying so get an accountability partner so that way you know you uh make contract with someone else and if you don't succeed in doing your habits then you're letting them down um you're also putting your reputation on the line. You're making yourself seem inconsistent or untrustworthy or all these like multiple things that come into being about around like ourself and how people perceive us uh, on the line. Um, second point is ask someone to watch your behavior. So we're more likely to, uh, let's say you don't have a friend around you. Um, although I don't know why you would, randomly ask a stranger but um you might and uh because we like to put our best self forward so if we feel like we're being watched um then we're more likely to follow through with our action it's why they have all those cameras and like you know when you go to like a tesco and it's the self-service and the camera literally films you and you see yourself and it's like you're less likely to steal because you think you're being watched um and then last bit here is create a habit contract so make the costs of your bad habits public and painful so kind of what i was saying already um yeah you make a contract you say this is what happens if i don't succeed in doing this con uh, doing this habit um and we talked about stick which is a uh i think it's a website where you can like put money um you can put money aside and they'll send it to a charity that you don't want if you don't succeed in it and you have to get it verified whether that's by a friend or someone um but all of this basically keeps you accountable and uh yeah so that's yeah i believe that's all of them yeah so that was atomic habits by james clear um we will be writing up all the actionable stuff that you can um, implement if you would like. And you can find that on the website at wisewords.blog. Um, and yeah, I think that's everything that I have to say about this one. That is everything. That was a, a very, very long podcast, but worth the listen. If I may yes. say, say so myself. Yeah. Um, so next week we will be doing the now habit by Neil Fior. Neil, Neil Fior, I think. Um, I hope One so. Second. Yeah, it's, it's Neil Fior. We'll correct yeah. it next week. <laughs> um, yeah, so stay followed tuned by that. yeah, followed by a bunch of other books. So we've got the Seven yes. Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, mm-hmm. Tiny Habits, Elastic Habits. It's you know it's coming thick and fast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, make sure you stay tuned, subscribe, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. See you.
Hey guys, well there you have it. We hope you enjoyed that book summary. Now we know it can be a lot to take in all at once, so if you want to be able to read this in a more palatable size, or you want to be able to implement any of those key actionable ideas that we were talking about in this episode, head on over to our website at wisewords.blog where the book summary will be waiting for you. Also, don't forget to check out our socials as we consistently upload the key ideas, benefits and actionable ideas from all the books that we read. The links to those will be in the description below. Now, we want to be able to get you the best content in a way that's really easy to understand, but we need your help. Your opinion matters. So you are our feedback mechanism. And with those quick actions, whether that's leaving us a like or a dislike, commenting in the comment section below or subscribing to our channel, all of those help us gauge what we're doing well and how to improve on our method of delivery. So if you have any thoughts on the matter, don't hesitate to act. It takes less than 10 seconds and it really helps us out. But with all that being said, until next time, stay wise.